Welcome to the Tents and Tires Podcast. My name is David Yates, and today I have with me... Preston Glad. From? Preston Glad Overland. Absolutely. We uh, we wanted to have you on because of a few reasons. We I really like your, your rig and your setup and how you do things. You have an awesome YouTube channel, and that's Glad with two Ds. That is Glad with two Ds. That, that, let's make that distinction. So <laughs> it's two Ds. Um, but tell us, tell us a little bit about your rig. Well, I have a... 2017 Ram 2500 Mega Cab with the uh, Cummins diesel, and I, I've actually had a bunch of rigs um, throughout the years. I had a, a JK Rubicon, um, I've had an F250, I've had uh, a Toyota many, many, many years ago, but I won't actually admit to that. And uh, I won't tell. <laughs> but really, I, I wanted a platform that you know could kind of the jack of all trades, master of none. Right. And so that's why I went with the uh, the Ram. The Cummins engine will last a lifetime. Right. Uh, the Ram itself may fall apart around it, but. Anyway. <laughs> um, and so I have had many setups with it. Uh, I've had everything from uh, camp truck caps on it, soft uh, truck caps, a soft topper. I've had two hard shells on it. I've had uh, racks on the back with rooftop tents. Uh, it's an ever changing kind of. Uh, setup that, that's it's always keeping me busy right and we we all go through this and we talked about this actually on the episode with staples and tents you know everyone changes their, the way they do their setup it, just like anything you know i found the i'm really comfortable in the trailer and the rooftop tents but on on your setup you are you have all the awning stuff with the rooms and and that seems to work best for you do you find that limiting like when you have to pack it up you don't really have a base camp you have to pack it up to go onto the trails and then come back and set back up not really so for me so i have so i've been through four rooftop tents now Uh, i have a rooftop tent it's currently not on right now and i have the awnings i have the rhino rack system um, with the four walls and i have the arb awning system with the uh, arb enclosure room Mm -hmm. Um, i have the truck cap the AREMX series now that's got the higher back and uh, right. I can stay in there. So for me, it's not really, it's not limiting, but uh, I have so many setups because one, it's fun. I like to tinker. Absolutely. It's um, all about gear. Exactly. And I don't think there's one perfect setup. I think that if you have the ability to be flexible and to change your setups, you know, whether you have, a, I have all the, the Gazelle tents. I have right. the, the T3, the T4, the T4 plus. Um, I have the uh, Oz tent, RV5 yep. complete mm-hmm. setup. So I had the luxury, fortunately, to, to be able to have um, a plethora of different instruments and tools, you know, for me to use uh, in this sport we call overlanding. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just for me, I'm trying to, what I have learned is I'm trying to use the KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Um, and I'm just trying to get it to a system that I can get there, rain or shine, set up, tear down, and it's not going to take 10 hours and uh you know just be unpleasant right and, and, and sometimes rooftop tents can be a little bit cumbersome they're definitely top heavy especially like on my trooper it's already tall and then i got a roof rack above it and then i got a rooftop so it's it's very you know top heavy and and it, it can be a little bit much to put up take down put up take down so i actually have been really interested in the gazelle stuff because it's so easy to set up and put down now i'm still kind of the trailer guy so yeah i like I like the comfort of a trailer, but what's interesting, and we we talked a little bit about it, you know, in the in the Overland community, it's funny how 
like on the last episode, we talked about uh, glamping. And overlanding's kind of the same thing. It's just using a different word. You know, it's all the gadgets, all the cool stuff, and that's fun. That's why we do it. Yeah. You know, gear is half the thing. You know, just like anything, you, you want to have all the coolest gadgets and latest whatever and have a bunch of it and, you know, move between different different setups like you do. Yeah, and, and one thing I want to bring up is you made a distinction right there. You said, you know, overlanding slash glamping. To me, overlanding is, is – there's no definition for overlanding. Right. And within the community, this is kind of debated, you know. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, some people say, well, that's not overlanding. You know, you have to have – you know, a hundred thousand dollar vehicle and be going across, you know, Africa or somewhere. Yeah. You know, for me, I think that there is overlanding and then there's American overlanding, and you can't see it uh, because you're listening to this. But I'm doing air quotes. Air quotes. Uh, but you know, for me, American overlanding is enabling people to. <laughs> there's cats. Sorry, sorry. There's cats. <laughs> I just got attacked by a cat. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, American overlanding is just being able to enable people. To get out and explore, uh, to become stewards, you know, to our surroundings, you know, and to help, cons- uh, you know, conserve for futures to come. And so it doesn't matter, you know, you've talked about this in the other podcast, whether it's a two-wheel drive vehicle, four-wheel drive vehicle, whether it's a, an earth roamer or whether it's a Prius, you know. And, and where I, I'm up in Asheville and, right. and there are a lot of Priuses and I'll be on some pretty uh, crazy roads up in the the Pisgah National Forest and oh yeah you know I'm thinking there's no way you know you got to have full I've got my full drive turned on here comes a, a Prius <laughs> down the road, so well and, and as I've kind of gotten into the van life stuff you know th- those guys I mean almost none of them are four wheel drive but they go more places than almost you know than a lot of people they they take these big heavy like my van 7500 pounds big heavy vans and they load them up and do all the stuff and they go do it. Yeah. You know, and it, it's really about doing it more so than having it. Um, and we talked again about this a lot, you know, building that community of people that want other people to come, you know, to be a part of the whole thing. That's like the, you know, when we do the tents and tires meets or the, the Georgia Bushcraft, uh, meet uh camp out yeah um, spring so, gathering the fog g- yeah the, the gatherings and we're actually going this weekend to the the chattanooga meetup in chattanooga but I, I i like that especially in the southeast that's growing yeah you know the the community of people is is really building and it's all types of people like when we have our tents and tires meets we don't ever use the word rig because we want everybody to come Correct. We want everybody, whether you have a Subaru or whatever, to be a part of the community. And I really like that that seems to be happening a little more um, in the, air quote, overland in, in America community. Yeah. Um, and and, and that's, that's, that's basically because it's obviously becoming more popular, mm-hmm. um, which is a good and a bad thing. I mean, we've seen trail closures, you know, out west because right. it's, uh, it's, it's becoming... There, there are people that go out and abuse it, yep, and they correct. get associated with the overlanding slash full drive community. Right. Um, but it, it is becoming more popular. Uh, for example, like Tapui, uh, I think they have a contract now with like Subaru. You know, and so there are mainstream companies and large corporations that are, are recognizing uh, overlanding as a sport in America. Right. Uh, and they're and they're they're starting to push that forward, and, and the community is going to do nothing but grow. You know, we just have to make sure that it grows responsibly. 
Right, right. Uh, we've experienced that a lot here in Georgia uh, with Trey Mountain. So Trey Mountain is a, I don't know if you've ever been there. No, I it's, it's a part of the, uh, the Georgia Traverse. And people actually live up on Trey Mountain. So it's a, it's a place where people live, but there's been a lot of people that they go up there when it's wet, whatever, and thrash it. Yeah. And go off trails and do all this stuff. So most of last year, at least half of it was closed. And then, of course, people take down the signs and they go anyway. Correct. So that's, you know, we got to really find the medium between, you know, the, Georgia's tough and the southeast really is tough because there's not open spaces like there is out west. So really finding the places to go that don't get closed down um, is becoming tough as the, as the sport, as we'll call it, grows. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think that... I've heard that quite a, I've heard that quite a bit. And for me, I mean, if you look at Nantahala National Forest, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, Pisgah National Forest, mm-hmm. uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway, there's a whole, you know, all up and down the Appalachian, there, there's a whole bunch of parks and there's a whole bunch of, of landscape that you can get out there and discover. And right. so it's not necessarily, a lot of people feel like they have to have this predetermined plan mm-hmm. to go out and enjoy nature and they have to go, well, we're not, there's not BLM land. I can't just drive out and just go. So I'm restricted, but, uh, I've found that to not be true. Right. Um, one of the things I'm working on right now is I'm trying to map all of the, the roads, the, the national forest networks in terms of building a database for overlanders that are going to be passing through the different types of campsites. There are, you know, right. what, what they're conducive to because, there are plenty of dispersed campsites out there. Mm-hmm. There's just not a mapping system for them most of the time. Yeah, and I've I really found that uh, while the internet has a lot of information, there's a lot of information that it doesn't have. Correct. You know, there's stuff. And when we started getting into the this whole world, because we, we actually didn't come from this world initially. We, we've always been the vehicle world. We've just, in the last three years, come into the, the off-road, you know, overland world. Um, so we wanted to just like everybody else go out and where can I go? Yeah. Um, and there's information that's out there and then there's information that people don't want you to know about. Correct. Um, you know, their secret, whatever. So even though it may be public land, whatever, but that's, you know, their trail. Um, so that, that's, you know, do it. Stuff like that is awesome because opening it up to more people really makes, people who come in not knowing anything and that that's another part of growing the community it helps them be able to go get out there and do that um a lot easier correct so i i I, that's awesome that you're doing that um so did you speaking of where where you know we came from what did you how did your journey to becoming in this overlanding thing happen what did did you start with you know were you always an off-roader or you know what, what, what was that like well, so I st- so I did 20 years in the military. Mm-hmm. I retired a couple of years ago. And, you know, in the military, obviously you drive off-road vehicles. I was, uh, I started out in the Marine Corps. I was infantry in the Marine Corps. And then I uh, switched over to the Army. And I uh, started out as a, as a uh, diesel mechanic. And then I switched over to military police officer, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> for the people that... Uh, that I worked with, unfortunately for them, but um, <laughs> not for you. Yeah, not for me. No, I mean I, I had a I had a blast, uh, and so I actually did off roading, obviously in the military, right. and training, driving, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the Humvees or the LMTVs or the different types of vehicle platforms that the military has. But it wasn't until 2011, actually, um, I was out in El Paso, Texas, and a couple of my buddies, 
we're going out off-roading with this military jeepers club at the time right and so i bought my uh first true off-roading vehicle that i built up and actually kind of got into off-roading and that was a 2011 jeep rubicon uh unlimited and i built it up and i put six inch long arm kit big old, you know the, the thing about that time frame in my life is we were going out as a club uh into new mexico into the royals and it was mainly mm. just rock crawling and um you know i learned a lot of lessons right. the hard way uh i broke everything on that jeep probably two or three times did you roll it um i never rolled it <laughs> i've had a bunch of jeeps roll right in front of me uh i was kind of the bad luck guy for a lot of the a lot of the times people either in front of me or behind me would roll but i never rolled it uh fortunately um, and so that's what kind of got me started. And then from there, I moved into kind of the full-size community. Um, the Jeep was great, but for me, it limited me because I, I, didn't, I couldn't have multiple vehicles at the time. Right. Uh, and technically, where I live now, I really can't just because I live on the side of a cliff and there's nowhere to park another vehicle. That's but, a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so... I needed a vehicle platform that was going to allow me to overland and also allow me to do things at the house like haul wood, haul trash, right. you know, and so that's why I did move into the full size. So, But I started out um, as a rock crawler, mm -hmm. and we would go out again and, and we would camp. Um, and so that was, again, technically, uh, you could define that as overlanding. Right. Um, and that, that's kind of my origins. Yeah, you know, and the cool thing, well, the, the, the whole thing about overlanding is most of these things have multiple purposes. like. I use I had pickup trucks before this, and I kind of wish I had a pickup truck now because they're so useful. You know, you can use them to go out and camp. You can use them to haul wood from Home Depot or whatever. So, I you know the Tacomas are really becoming popular because of their multi-function you know functionality. Yeah. Um, I, I like the big. I actually had to tow the trailer the other day with uh, someone else's pickup truck. I was like, man. Wish I had a pickup truck again. It's just, it's just something about driving a pickup truck. This is my owning the Trooper is actually my first SUV. Um, but you're, you speak on the Jeeps, not having everything you need. I, I, that's why I've never really gotten into them. The we've got the XJ out there, which actually has a lot of room. So if you want to haul yeah. stuff, but the pro, the big problem with them is there's just not a lot of utility in the sport. Correct. Utility. Um, so it, it's. I really like doing some of the, the bigger stuff, the full size stuff. We had a, uh, my brother had a Sierra all terrain, you know, lifted and that thing off road. I mean, it was, it do anything. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the other big thing about the bigger full size vehicles. They got the power to do so, some things that the smaller trucks cannot. Correct. And, and, and that's one of the things, you know, a lot of these events, they're, they're dominated by, um, by, by Yodas, you know, by, yep. by either mm -hmm. Tacomas or Forerunners. And the way I looked at it was, like, for example, uh, Smoky Mountain Overland Rally. You know, I had a lot of the, the trails we went on there were, were pretty, um, they were pretty decent little trails. You know, mm -hmm. and a lot of those guys were like, "Well, you're not going to make it. You know, you're way too big." And and I did with no issues. Um, they, they even mentioned that in that one of those videos. You yeah. know, you, we didn't think you were coming around. You're going to make it around those curves, and you're like, "I had six yeah. inches on each side. I don't know what you're talking about." Correct. You know. But, but the thing is, so what I love about my vehicle is is these Yodas. You know. They're great vehicles. You know, I don't have anything against them, but, you know, overlanding, the market has grown and there's all this extra add-ons and armor right. and sliders and then racks and tents. And so now you're adding 
you know, 900 to 1,500 pounds of weight onto that vehicle. Mm-hmm. And that platform technically wasn't designed for it. Absolutely not. You know, and so not only is the suspension now being taxed, and if you may have to replace the suspension, but now you're getting, you know, 13 miles a gallon, you know, on the highway. In your forerunner. In your forerunner, yeah. Or, or in Tacoma. <laughs> and with this diesel, three-quarter ton, you know, I can load it up with 1,500 to 2,000 pounds of payload, you know, and I can get 20 miles down the highway regardless right. if I'm – fully loaded or not, you know, and I don't have to worry about that. And, and I have not found it to be limiting uh, in terms of any of the events I've went to or any of the places. There's never been ones to where I've said, this can't go where I want it to, you know. Right. Well, and, and like we had a, um, so we did some vehicle reviews. So we had a Tundra for a week. Um, and Georgia is not necessarily the place for a full-size truck because we took it off some some trails that they weren't tough, they were tight. That's that was the big thing about a lot of Georgia's trails yeah. is they're very tight. So, of course, it wasn't my truck. So the whole time I'm like pushing the you know holding this branch out, trying to make sure I'm not pinstriping this literally brand new vehicle. Yeah. Um, so I can see why people don't go that route. But for me, I mean, I I like the bigger vehicles. I think it it is a much more useful vehicle because the amount of time you're actually going to be on the trail is so much smaller than the rest of the time you're in the vehicle. Correct. So, you know, that's why a lot of overland guys do all terrain tires instead of mud tires. Yeah. Which mud tires may actually, I found I I run mud tires just because I like the knobby look of them and whatever. Um, But you know, the mud terrains may be better, but they're on the highway 90% of the time anyway. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to go, you know, get some really knobby tires um, unless you're going to be doing that a lot more. So the, again, with the utility part of the sport utility vehicle or whatever is really big to me. Um, so I, I really, that's why I've kind of gone towards a little bit of a, of a different vehicle. Yeah. Plus it's fun, you know, yeah. I mean, it, like I, I'm getting my power steering uh or my, I had some alternate issues, and my power steering pump went is leaking like crazy. They don't make them for troopers. <laughs> that that's part of the fun and the frustration. Yeah, you know they don't make them for troopers anymore. So I I got to go source one before we can get that replaced. Um, but you know that's that that's the fun of it. You know it's if I had a sure if I had a Toyota, you know it would be fun. And and this is not a Toyota bashing episode. No let's, no no. By no let's means. just put yeah, that out yeah. there. We're that's not what we're doing here, but. You know, it, it makes it a little bit more fun to do something um, different. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things, so there's so much product out there for for Tacomas and for Forerunners, but for full size in general, there's not a whole lot. And and right. there's and so I feel like that part of the community and that market space has is flooded, and so that's why I try to push full size. And, and it may sometimes it may sound as if I'm bashing or talking down for others, right. but and I'm not. It's just. It's frustrating for me sometimes that I have this this platform that no one really supports. You know, yeah. there are very few companies. AEV is a company or something a- like that. AEV is do, doing good things. And I, I think uh, fourth-gen Forerunner owners uh, feel you because they don't make anything for them. Correct, either. yeah. So they, they feel your pain. But, yeah, AEV is doing a lot of cool stuff um, and, and making parts available. Like, you know, they're making all those bison parts available for, the, for the Colorados, which, you know, that – I'm so happy that – Chevy is I, I, you know, my grandfather worked for GM, so I'm huge. I've always been a you know we've been a GM family for forever. Yeah, I don't know any right now, but 
that's yeah, <laughs> that's beside the point. But you know, so I'm glad that Chevy is finally deciding to step up and you know try to compete with Toyota with the ZR2 and and then the aftermarket's responding and making stuff for those vehicles. Correct. And now um, we got the Ranger. And now we got the Ranger. I had two Rangers, so love the Ranger. Um, I'm really excited to see that come out. I I was. I'm very disappointed about like the Broncos and you know all the new stuff that they're making not as cool like I think we thought yeah. they probably should have but you know that's that's not I wasn't gonna go buy one but yeah. you know I wish it would have been a cooler look than it ended up being um, to really bring back the full size you know V8 rear wheel drive or four wheel drive whatever truck you know not the sleek coupe car. Yeah. Mid-size SUV. Well, but they have to look at it from a marketing standpoint. Absolutely, you know? no, so, I, I, I yeah. get it, yeah. but you know, I because really, you know, like the ZR2 and and items like that are kind of a very niche market. It's mm-hmm. expanding, and 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 I think manufacturers are waking up and saying, hey, there is a there is a market for this. We can push this, and we can right. make you know money at this, and that's good because it's going to finally require. Or not required, but force you know, like Toyota to to update their stuff, and, and competition always you know breeds you know uh, really good products, and so I think that that's going in the right direction. Well, and, and a lot of these companies are now seeing that you know, uh, like there's a lot of companies that are bringing. You'll see at SEMA, for instance, a lot of companies had rooftop tents yeah. on their vehicles because they understand that that's a growing segment. And it kind of happened in the early 2000s with the Fast and the Furious stuff. You know, then cars, you know, manufacturers are like, oh, maybe I should put a bigger wing or whatever Correct. on this little coupe because that's what people want. Yeah. So it's kind of happening now in, in where you're seeing big companies do these like overland-ish type thing i i know of a few companies that will be having some really big overland products coming in 2019 um so that that's going to be a real big push for a lot of companies um that are trying to get into it um and and the rise of smaller companies that are doing the overland stuff correct you know trailers have been booming you know i everyone wants a trailer now because it, it creates the whole base camp thing and plus it's cool i mean you know well, I, I so I have to admit I I do love the trailer. Yeah. I, love the, I love the idea of a trailer. Right. For me, I'm, I'm I couldn't pull a trailer. I'm just already so long. You know? Absolutely. Um, but I, a, a, a Tacoma or a Forerunner with a trailer is actually longer than me. Yep. The, the problem I have the trailers. A lot of the trailers um, are price points. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. You know, I, they're they're outstanding products. They're quality. But when you look at what you get. Um, for, for the well, because the prices have exponentially been going up, you know, I I, I can't personally justify that, you know, right. and and that's a problem with the overlanding community, um, glamping community. Just that community in general is, you know, the markets are, are becoming the growth of the market is, is exponential, but also the prices too, and so things that you know were kind of expensive, you know, a couple of years ago are really expensive now, and so I think that that's something that we've got to figure out as a community to mm-hmm. make it accessible to everybody because not everybody can afford to go spend $30,000 on a trailer. Oh, for sure. You know, like our trailer was very expensive. And if I weren't renting my trailer out to people, I don't, I probably wouldn't own one mm-hmm. because it's so expensive. I mean, we've got probably $25,000 in that trailer and that's not even an expensive trailer. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more expensive trailers out there. So, you know, I, I 
that that whole thing and what it ends up being is a lot of times is people build a trailer because it's like the ultimate accessory, right? Correct. You know, it they've done everything. They've done their their suspension four times and they got long travel and they've got all this stuff and they ran out of stuff to do. Yeah. So, hey, let's build a trailer. You know, so it's it, it is they're becoming popular, but you know, I think that I, I think that's actually why we end up renting them out a lot because they're so expensive. Right. You know, people don't want to, and I understand that's, it's a big investment. Even the rooftop tents, you know, if it'd be nice if in, you know, 2019, someone came out with a 500 to $1,000 option that wasn't crap. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, and, and, and so there is a company that is coming out in near that price point, not, not quite that low. Right. Um, and, uh, it, it, and they're a veteran-owned company, and, and I, obviously, being a vet myself, I like to, to support the companies. Um, um, but Hi-Viz is uh, one of the companies. Um, I know the owner personally, good guy. And, and that's what he said is he's trying to go out and kind of re shake up the market a little bit. He's trying mm-hmm. to com- you know, have a comparable product to these other companies that are charging you know, a premium but charging you know, an actual realistic price. And so right. – um, and I, I mean, I, I kind of plugged him just now, but that wasn't the really intent. No, that, it's just, you know, I, please he's, do. We, he's, we, he's a good guy. And, and uh, well, and that's yeah. how you help build the community. Yeah. You know, it helping the, the helping each other. You know, there's a lot of um, people that are I, we're all trying to, you know, it's businesses are business. And I get that. Correct. Yeah. And you can compete, but you can also help each other. Yeah. You don't have it doesn't have to be this cutthroat thing where. You know, we, we don't help anybody. We're just out for ourselves. We're you got you got to try to help everybody and, and or at least most people. Yeah. You know, you don't have to help everybody, but you know, you can at least help. You know, build some of these smaller companies up so that thing can you know so we can drop price points and do stuff like that. Because like Smitty Built makes a they're under thousand dollar tent and we've got the XL and it's a great tent, but it's not. As good as the other one. Correct. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people don't realize that, or maybe they do, but all these, a lot of these tents, mm-hmm. uh, there are starting to be a few that are going to be manufactured in the U.S. soon, but most of these tents are manufactured overseas. Right. Most of these tents are manufactured in the same factory. One end of, of the factory is, you know, kind of the lower end of components, mm-hmm. and the other end is the higher end of the components, right. you know, and so um, it's just one of those things to where... I think that if you're interested, you should do like like you talked about in your other episode. You should rent, mm-hmm. you know, or you should go out with somebody that has one, and you right. should experience it before you make a purchase, um, or go out to you know Smoky Mountain Overland Rally or um, uh, any of these other events that are you know all over the place, and just see the equipment and 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 get hands on. There are so many people. Again, we're being repetitive because it was in your last episode. Yeah. There's so many people that. Like you said, if you go on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, you can see all these tents for sale because they make these purchases without doing any research or homework. Right. And then, you know, they, they didn't like it. So, Well, and, and that, that's why we um, – I'm going to shamelessly plug our YouTube channel. Um, on our YouTube channel, we, we've had probably one of our greatest, you know, you know all, the most views and all that comments and all that has been on our Smitty Belt video because we really like our Smitty Belt. It's, it's a – for especially for what we pay for, because again we bought it used, yeah. you know. So at that price point at eleven hundred dollars, you get a lot of bang for your buck, and there's no, you know, there there needs to be more reviews, videos, whatever of all these different products, so people can say, oh, okay, so it's 
it 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 works and it's not a you know piece of junk, you know. So we we that's why we try to do that so we can. That's been very successful video and a lot of people have gone on there and gone, oh well, this made up my mind. I'm gonna go buy it. Um, again, knowing what you're getting into because the Smitty Belt is not you know CVT, but it's still a really 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 good tent. It holds up to rentals. It holds up to all this other stuff. So it does hold up and for what most people use it for most people are going to use it five times a year yeah six times a year maybe on the high end so you know for what it is it's great but it, you know I, I know yakima i know they're coming out with another tent this year but their first attempt at trying to fill that gap didn't really go so well um because they had some I think they had some seam tape issues. Or Correct. Yeah. They've, they've had they've had several issues. I was actually surprised at the issues they had, but again, that's why I like, you know, again, uh, high vis. You can talk to the owner and say, "Look, this is the issues I'm having," and then he can go direct to the manufacturer. And, and right. there's an actual dialogue there with a lot of these larger companies. Uh, you don't you don't really get that, especially with like Yakima or right. or Smitty Build. You know, it's kind of these companies that are so large that you it's hard to have a dialogue and to affect change. Whereas the smaller companies. You, you can do that. so Right, absolutely. And, and one of the big things that is often overlooked, uh, actually when it's going to be one of my next, I have like four or five videos that are uh, backlogged right now. I've, I've made the videos for YouTube, yeah. but I haven't actually yeah. edited them and, and posted them. Um, and then there's recovery, you know, and a lot of people, uh, they skimp on recovery, you know, come back, you know, drying out their tent, checking everything out, mm -hmm. cleaning their tent yep. or any of their, any of their gear. And then it starts to fail on them and then, they don't understand why it's failing on them. And right. so I think that recovery is extremely important, but often overlooked. You know? uh, absolutely. Well, and that's a, that's a really good point about, you know, taking care of your, your gear and, and not a lot of times people don't want, or even just your, your vehicle, you know, a lot of times people want to have the, the cool thing instead of going to do preventive maintenance on something that will ultimately leave you stuck out on the trail. Correct. That's what I so, and that's what I call uh, PCCs and PCIs. In the military, it stands for pre-combat checklist and pre-combat inspection. But I change it to pre-camping <laughs> checklist and pre-camping inspection. You know? Right. So you should always do that prior to going out, and when you come back. And I think it's important that um, you know I've been doing this for years, but I still have a list that I use. I still, mm -hmm. you know, because it's easy to overlook that type of stuff. And so you know, taking the proper taking care of your equipment, your vehicle especially. You know, is, is priority number one over having the cool gadget, you know. Absolutely. Well, and we we found that after doing a couple of years of renting, I was forgetting stuff. I was forgetting this, this, and this. And it's amazing what printing out a checklist, looking at that checklist, and making sure everything on that checklist is checked off. And and then you don't forget things. Correct. Um, if you do that before, you do that after, like you said, you'll, you'll always have, you know, everything you need. Most time, like things still go wrong. Yeah, you know, you could do all the preventive maintenance and something could still break. Correct. Yeah, but it's a, it's so important and, and it's often not talked about because it's not cool. Yeah, you know, preventive maintenance is not cool, but it's something that's very important, especially, you know, there's a big push for leave no trace or whatever. You know, the the I don't remember. There's another. There's another one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but part of that is not leaking oil. All over all the, trail. the trail, yeah. You know, P yeah, yeah. PLL, uh, any type of contamination, 
you know, over time, and people say, well, that's just a small, it's a small oil leak. Right. You know, like, well, this trail is used by how many vehicles per year? Absolutely. And if all those vehicles, you know, and so, and where is that oil going? And I'm not trying to get on, on any type of environmentalism soapbox, but, you know. But it, it's, it's a real goes, conversation. It that's is. going on right now. It is. And that, but all that trickles its way into your water tables, you know, mm-hmm. and in that, and that, you know, it's all a trickling effect. And that's why. A lot of people look at this and say, well, I don't see what the big deal is. You know, we go out, it's just a dirt road, you know, and like, well, it, it's more than that. You know, right. your actions at this one location can impact, you know, somewhere 10, 15 miles mm-hmm. down the road. You know, Well, and especially because so many of us have older vehicles. You know, I, I drive a 95 and, you know, a lot of us, they're going to leak. So trying to minimize that as much as possible is so important. Correct. You know, that's just it. It's inevitable, you know. It's going to happen. It's not something that can really be. It can never be, you know, permanently stopped. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's something that can be definitely reduced, and and then that leads to keeping more trails open and keeping, you know, this kind of stuff that really helps grow the community. Yeah, it just boils down to being responsible. You right. Know? Yeah. So now that we're we got all the uh, serious stuff out of the way, <laughs> yeah. I you know, and I continue to get on my little soapbox. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, what uh, what are you had a, a much different experience at Overland East than um, probably most people because you got there a day early. Yeah. Um, how how was East for you? So, you know, it, it's it, so uh, it's funny. I had a comment on my, on, one of my, on my video that said, you know, I can't believe all these Overlanders are whining and complaining. You know, it's out there. This is mm-hmm. this is your bread and butter. You should be enjoying this. And so for me, my response to that was, you know, I wasn't whining or complaining about the conditions in terms of like the weather um, or the mud, you know, it was more for the, my issue was the organization. Right. Um, so it, the, the thing that, that it was good and bad, mm-hmm. you know, there was awesome people there. Right. Um, it's an awesome community. You get to get out and, and mingle, but the Expo East West has been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not something new, right? And so you don't expect this level of miscommunication. Yep. Um, there was no communication amongst the volunteers, you know, and I had talked to one of the one of the, the the employees that worked for him, you know, a couple of months before East, and you know they I, I live right five minutes down the road from right. there, and they were asking me about the area, and I said, well, it's it's kind of you know it's in a floodplain, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, I would recommend that you know you go and take a look at it in terms of you know the size of vehicles you're going to have on it because if it rains, um, and and that's so I'm retired military, but now I'm in uh, the end of my junior year for uh, environmental studies with a concentration in uh, forest ecology. Oh, cool. And then I'm also taking some um, uh, hydrogeology classes. And so Very cool. I have a lot of experience with, you know, percolation tests, uh, infiltration tests in terms of, you know, how water uh, works, you know, within our, our the ground, you know. And basically, right. uh, without getting too crazy, you know, I was like, you guys should just go in to this website and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Right. You know, because you're, if you have a... 5,000 pound, 10,000 pound vehicle, you know, versus a 30,000 pound vehicle, it's going to, it's going to impact it hugely. And just like Staples and Tents, you know, had, had referenced the, yeah. the earthworm were getting stuck. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I had got there early uh, and I was already being put into the overflow lot. Really? And I was the first vehicle into the overflow lot and I was there early. Wow. And so that right there was a bad sign. And then already before, you know, the, the, the rain hit even more, it was just, you know, kind of a mud pit. Um, which was kind of entertaining to some degree. Yeah, um, no, it was, it was. It made for good videos for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. It was funny to watch. Like I think on your video, you had the uh, excursion. Yeah. Like you would think that thing would be able to go through anything. Yeah. 
but it couldn't. Well, I mean, that, that mud was just like glass. But that But that mud was, you Or know, ice, yeah. I mean, it was just, you know. Yeah. Just like an ice, four-wheel drive doesn't do any good, you know. Well, and, and I, I, know, I know a couple people that, like, our trailer was there with one of our customers, and they left early enough Sunday morning before the ground thawed. Yeah. So, That's what I did. I did the same thing. So, which, which kind of sucks because it lessens the experience because you miss a whole day. Yeah. Now, I'm sure a lot of people were going to leave early anyway, but it, you know, less, it, you're not there a whole day. And then the whole thing with turning away people who paid. And, Correct. I mean, you can't avoid all that. I've organized events. I understand that. Things happen. Well, um, yes and no. I mean, when you have, but you have that much prep time, you know how much square footage you have. You know how, much, right. how many acres you have. And you can approximate because when you fill out and you buy your tickets, you know, the, there was, it's not like they didn't know how many they were going to have. There was already a waiting list at least a month out. So they right. knew how many vehicles, the types right. of vehicles in the trailers. It just takes a little work, and you can go in and you can calculate that. And then you need to calculate for overage just to be on the safe side. And I understand that they've had issues with venues. Right. You know, I, uh, I completely understand that. In fact, I think um, the venue may change possibly to another state. From from what I've heard, but I don't know that for a fact. I don't want to get rumors started, you know. Yeah. But they're trying. I you know, and hopefully they're going to fix this. If they can take lessons learned and, and and move forward, you know, it's a good thing. But you know, there were people that got there when it was you know a certain temperature and had to wait to get on a bus to get back to their vehicles, and they weren't right. dressed appropriately. And so now you know they're they're you know freezing cold, and there's children out there, which one can argue, like I said in my video that it's on the individual or the parents of those kids, you know, but they shouldn't have to wait three hours to get on a bus to get back to their vehicle. Well, and also, I, I you know, again, I, I, we didn't go this year, so we, we weren't there, but I, I just, from what I've heard, you know, it, it also limited what you could, if you were just going for a day pass, I mean, you can't bring a bumper back on the shuttle bus. Yeah. So that really limits what, you, what you're able, you know, that, so it hurts the vendors, it hurts the people that went. So I don't know, I mean, None of us know the solution, but there's got to be something going forward that I think a venue change would be probably the biggest help. Yeah. Um, and, and, and and it is hard over in the east. West, it's dry, yep. wide open spaces. Yep. You know, you've got dust and all that. But in the east, especially in the mountains, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. It's, hard, it's hard to find limited. that space. Yeah. In, if they either need to do two separate locations and then have a shuttle system worked out in terms of the camping, mm -hmm. you know, in the same area, but kind of spread it out over a, a larger area because they had vehicles stacked on top of each other. Right. And then provide some type of shuttle to get to the main venue area. Um, or they need to go down to the Piedmont or they need to go, you know, um, north or south to find an area that, that's more conducive. Well, it's also not impossible on the East Coast. I mean, there have been smaller events like the Rooftop Tent Rally or the Smoky Mountain Overrun. So those are obviously much smaller events. Yes. But it that shows that it can that it can be figured out. It can be, but at the same it, time, it, it's a are, different event. Well, those are two hundred people versus two thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, again, it's kind of apples and oranges, you know. But it, it, again, as long as they can take lessons learned, right. and move forward and not keep repeating the same mistakes, then I think that that we'll be in a good place overall. You know, like like I said, I, I rated it as. It wasn't a bad event, right? But it was the worst event out of all of the events last year that I attended, you know. In in terms of just the staff, the communication, and the logistics, you know. What was the best event? The best event? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> that that is really hard. You know, 
for me personally, I like the small events. Right. And and um, I haven't had a chance to make it to one of yours, unfortunately. That's okay. We're 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 we're, we're working on um, actually trying to do a uh, a camping event next time. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say for me personally, the the small events like the Blue Ridge Overland Gear Flea Market, mm-hmm. they do a small little camp. You know, it was twenty five thirty vehicles. Um, S'more was was pretty good. You know, uh, I would have to say smoke. Um, the rooftop tent rally would be second. S'more would be a tie with second. You know, I think the smaller events is where it's at because you have more sense of community in terms of it's it's not this monstrous you know thing that's going on, and you have a smaller really a smaller community that can you can really meet and talk to because that's right. what it's about. These, yeah, these events are about getting out there, meeting people, sitting down around a campfire, you know, and and having the beverage of your choice, you know, and just you know talking about you know, the gizmos and the gadgets and, and, and enjoying nature, you know. Right. And, and, you know, a lot like Easter, you know, any of those other really big events, even at, at our Tents and Tires event, the reason we're going to change it to more of a camping setting, we that was actually born out of, ca- you know, caffeine, octane, or cars and coffee. We got, t- we, we didn't feel represented in that, that arena, so we wanted to create our own. Yeah. So that's where it was born out of. But it, it's grown beyond that. And... We want we wanted to our our tents and tires event is going to be you know a camping thing where people can come out and show their stuff and it will be a smaller event because we had a 125 vehicles at our last tents and tires I couldn't talk to a third of those people yeah which is what I I wanted to do and and you don't get to do that when it's that kind of event correct so that's really and, and that helps grow you know more people and bring people in so this we we really. I'm glad to see the smaller events happening, like the Chad, Chattanooga off-road monthly meet, which, we're, like I said, we're going to this weekend, is bringing in. They they do stock-friendly rides, so they get like meet up, hang out for a couple hours, and then go ride for two hours. But having it stock-friendly means everyone can go. Correct, and that and that's what just last week the New Year's Eve expedition with Overland mm-hmm. History, it was conducive to stock vehicles. If we had a stock. Like a 1994 Trailblazer yeah. out there, you know, and, and there were some challenging parts to the trail, but I right. mean, and but that's I think that's the best venue to have, you know, it, because when you have these very specialized, you have to have uh, 35 inch tires and lockers as a, as a minimum requirement that obviously limits you know a whole lot of people, and so I think that in terms of community, the, the events like you're talking about are kind of the best, the small events that that can even help, you know, have a stock four-wheel drive vehicle. Well, and also, the we're not, overlanders have been lumped into hardcore off-roaders. Yeah. Pretty, and, and it does kind of intermingle because hardcore off-roaders get rooftop tents because they go out and camp at wherever for a weekend. And so I, I can see why, but that's not me. That's probably not you right at this, you know, at this yeah. point. You, you want to go see stuff. And ride trails and do some, you know, harder technical stuff, but you're not rock crawling like you used to. Correct. Um, so I think that that's one thing that would really, you know, I, we've tried to push away from that, especially like on our Instagram, for instance. You know, we want, we, we're about camping. We're, we're really not about hardcore off-roading. Yeah. You know, we like to get places where you can't go, you know, not everyone can go. But we don't want to go places where no one can go. Correct. I don't want to damage my vehicle. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, I saw on your, uh, the Smoky Mountain Overland Rally, I, you know, I saw 
that step going right before it. I was like, ooh, that step is down. Yeah. And then the next scene, boom. Yeah, I broke my step. Was that like broken, done? It was. Yeah. You know, fortunately, uh, uh, Best Top took care of me, and I just called them up. They sent me a replacement. Um, uh, and that step, believe it or not, if you have a full size uh, or even even like a Tacoma, well, I'll probably don't need a Tacoma, but um, that is one of the most invaluable pieces of equipment. Yeah, I bet because you, know. you can you know get up get up yeah. there. Well, like my uh, my brother's old Sierra had that little step in the corner of the bumper, and one of the owners of uh, the company I work for just has a Tundra and got a new offer of bumper, and it has that step. Yeah, that is the greatest invention ever made yep. you know that little step because getting up on some of those you know especially when they're lifted those those big trucks can be a problem to get up on and gosh those things are awesome but yeah like you know we don't i'm not here to destroy my vehicle just to go through that yeah um and i think that's most of us you know because most of us are not you know we don't live this life we we do to an extent but yeah, yeah. we have a you know a life outside of overland you know, we're not living. We're not lifestyle overland. We're not life. You know, we're not living three hundred days a year out Correct. of out of our trucks. Yeah. We're we we're, want to though. I, I mean, it would be cool. Yeah, but we're that's just not the that's not most of us. Yeah. So, and someone I've heard someone refer to that as uh, like uh, weekend weekend landing or something like that. Yeah. Which, sure, you know, I mean that, and that's why I really am. Tr- that's why, I, especially with this new platform we got, I really want to push the. You know, I don't, I really hate the exclusiveness that all of this has become. Yeah. Because, I you know, I, I, I want to really use this platform to get rid of that because I, I don't like that because it, it, it makes, because like that, and that's part, part of the reason why we, we started this a couple of years ago is because we, you know, wanted to get into it and we didn't know anything. And the, not say people were unhelpful, it was just, you, you got to learn a lot on your own. Correct. And, and I think it would be a lot easier if there was people like you, you know, that, that can help those people and, and let them know that this is, you can, you can do this in whatever you have. Exactly. You don't need this. Um, and I, I really want to get it out there so we can grow this with a more inclusive attitude. Yeah. I mean, again, it's all about enabling and, and, and being stewards, you know, to the community. You know, in, in a positive way and, and letting people know that you don't have to have a $100,000 vehicle, you know. And, and you're right. I mean, it can get very clickyish. It can mm-hmm. get very, um, uh, you know, you, you go to these events and you see people making these YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And they have literally, you know, there was a four-wheel camper Tacoma uh, that was built out. And it had ARB bump, ARB, or ARB bumpers and, and, all, and the whole get-go. You know, and it was $90,000, you know. Right. And, and I, I showed it in my video and I said, you know what, this is... This is ninety thousand dollar vehicle. I said it's not a ninety thousand dollar vehicle to me. I'm sure to somebody it is. Right. You know, but it can be very intimidating, mm-hmm. especially if you're just getting into this and you go and you see these ninety hundred thousand dollar vehicles. You know, and and you think, well, this is what I have to do. You know. Right. And there's also that stigma of I have to have a rooftop tent. I have to have this. No, you can if you can sleep out of the, your vehicle. You know, then then you can do that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's whatever is most conducive to you. It's just there's a lot of pressure from the community to fit this certain mold. And and I think that, that we need to try to work to break that mold and say, hey, these are good companies, these are good products, and if you want to do that, that's fine, but you don't have to just, there's a lot of people that feel like they have to go dump a ton of money in initially to even get out there, and right. that's not true. Well, in my first 
adventure overland whatever setup was in the camp camper shell of my truck yeah you know i and actually that was one of my best setups it was so easy yeah. you know slid a mattress in there had some stuff and and that's what i'm going back to yeah i mean you know? i mean that's the, the simplistic stuff you'll realize and i'm sure you do realize is that the more complex you get the bigger pain in the butt it becomes absolutely you know you have all this extra stuff you have to worry about you know i i talk about how i we, we used to go on camping trips all the time and we'd get rained on and how much I hated putting up wet tents. Yeah. But that hasn't changed. I'm putting up, now I'm putting up a wet tent, not on the ground, on my roof. Yeah. And exactly. it's even more of a pain in the butt. And then, like, I, I often leave my, you know, you want to dry them out and all that. So then you got to, then your vehicle's taken up because you're drying your tent out. Correct. So it it does become, the more complicated it becomes, the more pain in the butt it can become. So... The simplicity is definitely, it would be cool if it kind of, you know, shifted back that way because it's it's much easier. And, and that's definitely a, for, for someone who's new at all of this stuff, it would be a better, you know, an easier transition into overlanding. And this 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 thing isn't exclusive to overlanding. It's, it's, not, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not fair to overlanding to say that this is exclusive. This is anything, you know, anything that's, specialized that requires this that this guy knows a thousand things about this you know there's always going to be that somewhere but because we're you know in this world so that that we're it's exclusive right now to what we're talking about but you know it it's not an exclusive thing to overland and it's i've met tons of good people in this community you know i mean there's lots and there's so many good people in in this community um and so that the the overwhelming majority of people that are willing to help you out is a lot greater than the uh, you know the, the minority of people who and, and that and also comes with the booming with overlanding growing especially in the southeast yeah you know you're gonna get companies that are gonna come in all they want to do is take your money correct they, well yeah and, and and you're right for the most part I would say it's you know it's a 90 10 split you know yeah in the military we always had uh, this saying 10 um, percent. Of, of your troops take 100% of your or 90% of your time yep. you know and 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 it's the same thing you know that they're 90% of the community is just you know you know the open arms they're willing to help you you know but there is that 10% that you know even in just the the, the YouTube community mm-hmm. or, or the people out there on, on social media you know they so I like my channel I'm not sponsored by anybody right I don't monetize yep. um, it's I do it because I enjoy the process of going out filming uh, enabling people, you know, and just it's I enjoy that process, you know, but there are other youtubers that and there's nothing wrong with this, but they are so focused on making a profit out of this, right? You know, it's one thing to make, you know, some some money, but some some people get some youtubers get so uh, I guess caught up on the sponsorships and mm-hmm. everything else that they lose sight of what it is to just be out in nature and enjoy nature, and so that bothers me sometimes. But right. that's that's in everything, not not just overlanding. That's in any you know kind of niche area that you're in. Right, and, and and as a small business owner in this space, you know I'm I often find myself towing the line because I want this to be my job, right? Yeah. But I also want it to be where I can help others correct you know that type so you have to find the balance between growing the community growing you know having more people be involved and you know having a business 
that doesn't take advantage of the situation. Well, it's one thing to have a business, but I'm talking about just YouTubers. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. You know, Which – There's not very many. There's just a few out there that I, that personally it bothers me because I look at them and I say, you don't really care necessarily about you know enabling the community. You're just trying to make a buck, you know, and so – yeah, you know, well, I, and, well, I, and, and I, I don't want to be negative, and I know that, that, that that's fine. that way. But, no, you know. and that that's part of what we're doing here. You know, really, this is a open air. You know, trying trying to fit. You know, work through this whole thing that we call overlanding. Yeah. Um. But there's, I mean, I appreciate that you're not sponsored, and you don't do because a lot of people you'll they'll do a review review on gear, right? Because someone gave it to them, yeah, or gave them a stupid discount on it, and and that doesn't, you know. That 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 doesn't hold weight with me because someone gave that to you to try out and you gave it an awesome review. Now, if someone gave it to you and you're like, "Hey, someone gave it to me and this thing's okay," then there you go. You know, I, I'm cool with that. But if someone gave it to you and you're like, "Man, this thing's so cool," you know, does this, this, and this, and it doesn't suck at all. That that's a problem. But again, that is not exclusive to overlanding. Yeah. That is that, that's, that's more of a YouTube problem yeah. than, yeah, yeah, than yeah, anything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. And, and, and I've had companies approach me, and I've said to them, you know what, that's fine, but you need to be, you need to be willing to say that I can say whatever I want yeah. and make a video. And I would say 100% of the time, I've only had a couple of companies approach me, they've said, well, we, if you don't have anything good to say, then we would rather you, we don't want you to say anything at all. And, and I was like, well, then I don't want the product. You know, if, it's, right, if, yeah. it's, if you're not willing to stand behind your product to say, you know what, I believe in my product to the point to where – you can say whatever you want about it. Then you know, I, I, if I want to purchase it and try it out, I will. But I'm not gonna. I don't. You know, I don't want you to send this to me. And so that's why I've steered clear of, of that type of stuff. But um, and and also I think it's important to have you know some people in the community that are willing to kind of ruffle feathers and say you know what this is a good product or this is a bad product and not just kind of try to ride that wave because again it helps enable people to get out there and and make wise decisions you know when it comes to products. And there's two different ways you can look at that. You know, you talked about on your on your last podcast about Walmart. You know, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with going that route, right. you know. But uh, at the same time, if you're going to make a large investment, it's, you you figure out this is something you want to do. You know, you need to be able to know which products you know right. are, are, are to, to invest in. You know, like your your Rhino racks or your you know your quality stuff that's out there that that's going to sure be a premium, but you're going to um, have a quality product that's going to last you, you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah, and I can't speak highly enough about Rider Rack. Their stuff's awesome. You know, yeah, they, they do really good stuff. And 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 really, I think the one thing that I found is um, some of the companies are lacking in customer service. Yes. Um, I'm, I, I, I won't. I will. I won't talk specifics, but you know, I've had products that have failed, and I they they're not interested in. Yeah. yeah, like Austin for yeah. me, Austin's a great product. Horrible customer service, yeah. the crappiest customer service ever. Um, like companies like Rhino Rack, the best customer service. Right. I mean, I, I've 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 I own a lot of Rhino Rack gear and I've broken some of it. And every time, no questions asked, they're like, "Hey, you know what? We're we're going to take care of you." You know, they've bent over backwards. Um, Blue Ridge Overland Gear, they stand behind mm-hmm. their equipment. But there are companies out there, and I and I I'll, I'll call them out. You know, I don't really care because just because you have a good product. If you don't have good customer service, then right, absolutely, you know, they go hand in hand. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's that that's going to be, and, and that's the the good thing about the rise of the smaller companies that you'll continue to get that good yeah. customer service. You would hope. I mean, there's all always the you know, and, and again, my experience, 
some of my bad customer service has been from a small company. Yeah. So well, it, and I've had that too. It doesn't go exclude. It doesn't go hand in hand. Like I've heard, Smittybilt has fantastic customer service. I know they someone uh, snapped one of their trailers on uh, it snapped a weld snapped or something on the trail. Yeah. Um, cost them like five hundred dollars get towed off the trail. All this stuff they paid for not only the tow bill, they bought them a new trailer. Yeah. So. It doesn't have to be a small company to have good customer service. Uh, I love my Smitty Belt tent. Yeah, you know it's it's not the most expensive tent, um, and I I also really love the Velcro. That's the that's I don't know why everyone's not doing the Velcro because it makes it so much easier. Yeah, I busted a, a, a zipper on my CVT cover. That's the second one I've got on, on my truck right now. So. The Smittybilt's awesome. Yeah. And, um, and it's the small things like that that see, a lot of people don't realize, for example, when you're buying a product, look for YKK zippers. Right. You know, look, look for these small nuances mm-hmm. or or look for Velcro versus a zipper, you know. And, and that's the type of stuff that I think is really important for people just getting into this to, to, to kind of know. Right. And, 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 again, having the ability to either rent the equipment or mm-hmm. be exposed to the equipment, you know, or watch YouTube videos that aren't biased is, is, is key. Right. So what do you th- – What's what's 2019 looking like for for your journeys? Are you, what, are you taking some big trips, or you you have that mapped out yet? Or so I'm semi I'm semi so I'm 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 going to school full time, right? Yep. And so for me, I have to kind of fit trips locally. So I live in in, in the outdoor mecca, obviously. Right. You know, I live right in the middle of Pisgah National Forest, yep. Hala, all that. So those are always going to be weekend trips for me. Right. Um, I do want to explore Florida more. Okay. Um, I want to push out to the Florida Panhandle. There's a national forest down there I want to check out. I am planning on being at West. Nice. Um, and I want to, the way I'm trying to structure it uh, until I graduate next year is I'm trying to hit every single event, uh, the large scale events, mm-hmm. and try to make trips out of those. And so, right. and I think that that's. That's a good starting point for a lot of people if they don't know where to go, where to start. I mean, I can I can plan a trip and locally I just kind of get out and go. Right. But if you want to plan a long trip, you know, look at okay, well we have West coming up, you yeah. know. And w- whether you support West or not, you know, it, it, some type of event, you know, right. you don't even have to go to West because there's almost a separate event out. You know, there's people yeah. that, that get together like Sables and Tents did yeah. you know, with the East this year. Um, and that's where I'm going to do. I'm going to plan to hit all the events and to try to plan trips out of those. And during the summertime, it's my plan to explore Florida, the Florida Panhandle a little right. bit. There's not a whole lot of information really about that area. Yeah. And there may be a reason why, you know, but I'm going to go find that out. Right. And, and as much as I don't, you know, I, I, I do social media for this type of stuff, that's it. But Facebook has become such a great source of information for that stuff. I know there's it, at least one, I'm, I'm in one Florida off-road you know, Facebook group. So yeah. that's kind of, it's interesting how that has become the new message boards. You know, message boards still exist out there. That was the thing in, you know, the last 10 years, you know, we were on the message boards and yeah. and they still exist, but you don't, you don't have to, yeah. you know, you can go find all of that information on Facebook. Um, but again, people are still very uh, timid about, you know, sharing their, their spots or their whatever, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting uh, to see how this is going to grow with the technology. Um, you know, now you can map stuff with Gaia and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So that's, that's all really cool. I, we really just need someone to, someone like you who's willing to put it all out there. You know, it's, 
again, this with this growing community, there's been there has been a money grab where people are trying to cash in. Yeah. And that again, that's actually that's actually okay because the big companies see that and they're going to start supporting you know, some of the platforms that they didn't in the past. Yeah. Um, so, and again, I, I want to make it clear that I'm not bashing, you know, the people that do that. I'm just saying that for me, that's not what I do. That's right. not my no, intent. Yeah. And know? yeah, yeah. And, and that's, and, but, and that's the great thing about overlanding because it brings, because there's people that are, you know, all the way this way and there's people that are all the way this way and they all come together in the woods and have a good time. Yeah. It takes all, you know, that's what we're trying to do anyway. We're trying to get away from all the nonsense and all have a good time together. And I think we just need to be do a better job at being more inclusive. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about just getting out, having a good time, communicating, and uh, and and basically taking care of what we have so that it's there for our kids to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, that's that's a that's a great message. So why don't you go ahead and plug all of your stuff? <laughs> get get your plug on. Go ahead. So I really don't have. So I mean, I have my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, YouTube.com slash Preston Glad. Two Ds. Uh, two Ds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if you ever just like, what, what was that guy's name? Just think, don't get mad, get glad. Um, and then I'm on Instagram. Uh, just again, Preston Glad with two Ds um, or Preston Glad Overland. One of the two. Uh, it'll pull it up. Uh, but that's all I have. I I am going to be bringing a website up soon. Um, and the, the purpose of someone had, had made a comment to me once, and uh, they said, you know, they, there's all these events going on, but there's no one central hub that says this is all the overlanding events coming in. Right. And so I'm thinking about, well, I'm not thinking, I, I am creating a website um, and basically trying to create a calendar of all the events in the United States that, that are overland specific and putting it in one place. And then also I'm trying to create a GPX file system for um, – Basically, Pisgah and Nantahala, the, the yeah. kind of where I, you know, where I am. Um, and as I go and explore and mark these areas and take pictures, I'm going to try to upload all that so that if people want to come and explore like the area I'm in, they have a resource to say, okay, this is what the trails look like, these are what the campsites look like, and this is um, like a picture of the of the campsite. And so that that's what's going on with me, other than just you know obviously school full time, but right, which going to school after being out for 20 years has uh, been interesting. but Yeah, I won't, I, I won't go back. <laughs> but, you know, that's it's cool because it's kind of like an overland bound. You know, they do a lot of stuff and they have yeah. stuff all over, but I never feel like there's something specific to the southeast or, Correct. you know, they're, they're, they have stuff for that. But this with the southeast being so difficult for this type of stuff, that would be a huge, you know, I mean, really a donation to the community, you know, because that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah, well, and what I looked, I looked at it from, you know, what there's these big resources. Mine is going to be obviously very area specific in terms right. of like you know mapping uh, GPX files and stuff like that, you know. But again, I want a, a big button that just says all overlanding events calendar. You click on that button and it just gives you, you know, the date, what it is, and a link to go to it. Right. You know? And so, um, and, and so I just wanted something that's very simplistic, user friendly. Um, that again, you know, what I want to do is enable people to get out and enjoy. You know nature and, and basically realize the, the intrinsic value that it has and and so that we can promote you know positive stewardship of you know our natural resources you know whether it be national parks or national forests or even private land or BLM and stuff like that we've got to take care of those resources so that we don't lose them absolutely yeah and it's they're the government will is quick to shut them down shut us down so you know yeah. we're the the better we can be the be, you know the less that will happen so yeah. you know it's it's what we're all we're all trying to do. So, well, I appreciate you coming down here, man, yeah, and, and talking with me and trying to make this thing 
happen. And um, you can follow us on Instagram at Tents and Tires. Uh, this this podcast will be live on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, TentsandTires.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Expedition Georgia and Expedition Georgia USA on YouTube. And uh, we will be doing an episode right now at least two times a month uh, as we get more guests. We're going to hopefully wrap that up. So thanks for checking us out and appreciate everyone uh, listening and we will catch you later.